2: Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions midweek podcast, where we bring in a special guest to talk all things Detroit Lions. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor in chief at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, for First Bite, Ryan Matthews is here at Ryan underscore Pod on Twitter. Ryan, how are we doing today?
0: Uh, we're doing well. We're doing well. We we got a good episode for uh, for our guest today.
2: Yes, we're, we're right in the middle of, of schedule mania, but we wanted to take a step away from that for a second uh, to continue our, our draft series where we bring in uh, an expert from the college ranks to talk about the Detroit Lions draft pick. We talked about Penny Sewell last week. Let's talk about their second round pick. Levi Onzerike. And to do that, we have brought together or we've brought aboard um, Lars Hansen from the Dog Report, the rivals affiliate for Washington uh, Huskies. Lars, how are you doing today?
1: Ah, uh, you know, can't complain, guys. It's nice to it's nice to be talking football again. It's nice, it's always refreshing. It's 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 nothing you <laughs> can take for granted. So it's always a pleasure.
2: Absolutely. And it's it's been a while for both of us, I think, to talk actual football. But um, and it's been a while since uh Levi has has taken the field as well, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um before we even get into anything Levi's done on the field, we have to talk about the press conference that he had, oh. the introductory press conference he had in Detroit, where he's uh, you know. He had some colorful language. We'll try to keep it clean here. But uh, but if something lets loose, uh, go ahead, Lars. But um, I'm just kind of curious, what were your initial thoughts when you when you saw that press conference? And um, was that something that you got accustomed to uh, during his times at Washington?
1: Well, I'll say this. Um, I didn't hear any of that in his four years at Washington. <laughs> uh, to be fair to him, I think when you're a college athlete, it's kind of hard to say those things. And usually the SID is kind of like nudging you on the corner, like, hey, let's try and not. <laughs> you know, he would PG, you know, as best as possible. Um, but I think, you know, it's being his authentic self. He is a true kind of, you know, I'm not, I don't take any mess for granted. I don't mess with anybody. You know, I just get my work done. I toss Lyman to the side, left and right. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm just ready to go. You know what, people up. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's really truly Levi because he's not doing it to be arrogant. He's not doing it to be cocky. It's just who he is. But he just hasn't been able to really say those exact words when he was at the University of Washington.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Lars, you mentioned uh, during his four years there, he was a redshirt senior um, and opted out of the 2020 season. So um, what were your impressions of him as a player? Um, what what really stood out to you uh, in terms of like, maybe like his biggest strengths uh, as a, uh, as a player for the Huskies?
1: Well, I think one thing that allowed him to get on the field early on and, as a benefit to his career was his versatility. He's a guy who is a, he was kind of well-known as a defensive tackle, but what does that really mean when you're playing in a three or four or four-three? And um, one of the things that allowed him to get on the field was playing special teams and um, making a few punt blocks, a few field goal blocks, both in practice and even in games. Um, and so I think his versatility is kind of one thing that really always caught my eye. He came into college um, as a defensive end. Like he was ranked as a defensive end by both rivals and the competition. So um, when he became a defensive tackle at Washington, it was mainly because he kind of just grew into the position and for the way Washington's scheme runs, which is similar to what the Lions are going to run under Dan Campbell, um, which we can talk about later. Um it allowed him to excel and be his natural self without having to be undersized in a different position. Per se, I,
2: I want to talk a little bit more about how how Washington used him because I do think that's kind of an interesting um, topic. You know, um, a lot of people project him to kind of be more of a, a three tech or, or even a four eye here in, in Detroit, but he he played a lot of nose, and you know, given his size, given all that sort of stuff, um, it it it's I may, maybe it, it's not expected for him to do that at the, at the pro level, but I'm curious as, as how he performed at that level. And and you mentioned his versatility. Did they, did Washington really use him kind of all over the place?
1: Yeah. So ironically how his snaps broke down the pat, his last two seasons in 2018 and 2019, he took almost as many snaps at nose tackle and you know, kind of how you, how you split those out and defensive tackle. So he really can actually do both. Mm -hmm. And the way Washington's defense was run under of Pete who's now at Texas, it was run with a three-man front where you had Vita Vea. Everybody recognizes that name. He's a lot bigger, obviously, than Levi, but the same premise still applies where if you can be in the right position to maximize your strengths and kind of toss guys aside, that's how Levi found his success, was kind of sliding through the middle. Um, and that's why he actually even played defensive end. To, to, you know, in some regards where he's coming as that guy, off, not off the edge per se, as like a rush linebacker, but playing an old natural 4-3 defensive end position. Um, that's something I wouldn't expect him to do, but I think for the Lions, I could easily see him not being a pseudo-nose tackle, and that's their, uh, their third-round pick, who I think actually is a better fit for that. And you can see Levi being next to him at defensive tackle or however you want to slant that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, going back to like the maturation process for him, um, he he is kind of like slender for a guy who, you know, played nose tackle at Washington. Um, and you, you talked about that that role a little bit. Um, do you see him as a guy who has the potential to maybe bulk up a little bit on his frame? Did because he started as a defensive end, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, when he got on campus at Washington. Um, and this is a guy who is, you know, 63 about two ninety-five right now. So mm-hmm. Do you see him as somebody who um, really grew, I guess, during his time at Washington and maybe has Mm. the ability to bulk up a little bit more? Or do you think that maybe that twitchiness would would not be as best utilized if he did get a little bit bigger? And do you think that he's better suited to kind of stay where he's at right now?
1: that's actually a good distinction you made there at the end where i almost think it actually suits him better to keep his current weight but i don't think he's limited to he could be you know 305 maybe 310 at max but i don't think that's advantageous for him as crazy as that sounds you would think well bigger guy you know you would want him to be bigger and stronger and whatever like, but his quickness and his agility is really what you value most in him and so i think if you were to put on weight that almost might be bad for him mm-hmm. um again muscle maybe is not of the worst thing but I would more I would more likely see him as a guy who just stays right at 295 and doesn't crack 300.
2: Um let's talk a little bit more about that twitchiness, that that fast first step, that explosiveness that he clearly has on tape. Um mm-hmm. the lines lines fans are dying for some pass rush up the middle. Um but you look at his I mean if if you're kind of just looking through the box score, it might not pop out, you know, he only had 7 career sacks mm-hmm. at, at Washington over 3 years. Is there a specific reason for that? Is it because he was playing out of position? Is it because is just tougher an interior defensive lineman to get those sacks? Is he bringing the pressures and just someone else is cleaning up? How would you view um, why those sack numbers are, are kind of low?
1: I think that you know the key distinction would be between sacks and pressures. You know yeah. he can still disrupt the pass or disrupt and also get and make several tackles for loss. And one key that PFF had the Pro Football Focus was he had the least amount of missed tackles of any twenty twenty one draft draft prospect. So I don't care if he doesn't have. 15 or 20 sacks, he doesn't miss so regardless of when he gets guys in his hands he doesn't you know it's over so i think that is kind of something more to value to say hey how does he affect the game and you know to your point where he doesn't look it doesn't look impressive in the stat box but when the lions are winning and he has maybe three you know five tackles one tackle for loss but he's made an impact in so much more ways that that's what matters more is the win at the end yeah
0: um so you know Levi's time. Um, h- how much of it was um, you know? You mentioned Via Vea as a name, and he seemed to be obviously a a big name prospect. Whereas Levi, kind of because this defensive tackle class was viewed as being a little bit weaker, and by a little bit weaker, I mean a lot a bit weaker. Um, do you think that it was just a product of that lack of production, and do you think that he he's somebody who can truly? Um, you know, make a big impact at the NFL level versus, uh, you know, that limited production he had at college.
1: Yeah. I I think that's kind of a fair, a fair point to make. And I think also one thing that maybe didn't help him was obviously just not playing and not having the 2020 season. And even if he did, he's only going to have four games. So you're not going to feel even like, okay, wow, what did we really get out of this? Whereas you know, a guy like um, the defensive tackle from Alabama, who was the first tackle taken, everybody got to see him. There was a little bit more there. But similar to Vita, neither one came in with a lot of pop or a lot of focus, so they were able to develop at Washington, and I think more or less that's what Levi should be expected to do in Detroit, where the Lions will take his athletic and skill set and put him in the right positions to be even better than he was at Washington and make maybe even more of an impact on the field and in the box than he did at UW.
2: I want to talk about... When he made a a specific impression upon you, like what was is there a specific play, a specific moment, a press conference where you're Mm -hmm. like, this guy is special. He could be, you know, potentially even a first round pick, which he almost was.
1: Right. So I remember it was mid 2018, between after I think it's before or after the cow game. It was when he had started to fully take over that position from vita and be like hey this is kind of the guys i need to learn from and and you know soak up as much as i can and it really seemed like something it kind of flipped for him in in 2018 so when he came in in 2019 it wasn't as much of a surprise to see him really own that position for washington but it, it started back in 2018 and so i think for me it was a it was him talking about his diet and kind of how he, was, he liked to have seafood and like to have a bunch of things that you wouldn't expect a dude to have, but it helped him be leaner. It helped him be healthier. It helped him be better on the field. And as a result, like, and, that, and that's kind of more to your point when you guys were saying, like, well, he doesn't look the biggest and he is kind of quote-unquote undersized. And it's like, but it's kind of just like his body is right. And I think you take a guy whose body is right over a guy who's got the ideal frame. And then, I mean, how many of those guys flame out? compared to a guy who is able to maximize what his skill set is.
2: Did you did you believe he would be, did you have a guess of, of when and, and where he'd go?
1: I saw him as a top 50 guy. So it wasn't it wasn't I thought he could go a little later or a little earlier, maybe like late first round where Joe Tryon inevitably won. I think it was kind mm-hmm. of like it was between him and him and Levi for who was going to be the first player taken. Um yeah. and so I thought it was going to be either one of those guys in the late first and Detroit, honestly, I mean, when you when you're picking in the top ten in the second round, if you're doing it right, you can get a first round pick in that area, and I think Detroit did.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, I, I guess let's let's uh, switch up and uh, focus on the things that Levi can uh, improve, things that maybe he uh, struggled with at Washington, whether or not it was because he was pigeonholed into into doing something maybe he wasn't fit for or whatever it may be. Um, what do you see Levi in terms of that? Uh, you know that that process of making it from college to the NFL ranks, like what do you think is going to be his biggest hurdle that he's going to have to overcome in order to be successful at the next level?
1: I think more I don't want to say the size but just because you know again, obviously everyone's big at the NFL level, but I think just understanding what his body is at this new level. and I know that maybe sound might sound cliche it might be obvious, but I think for him because if he's in the wrong position, that that's kind of wh- where his weaknesses will get exposed, which is, again, he's not the biggest guy. He's not – he's twitchy, but you can – if you're a big offensive tackler and, or if you double team him with your tackle and your guard, you can easily erase him and it's not as you – know, you just basically just kind of irrelevant. And so mm-hmm. I think the no, making sure that he doesn't try to do too much too early because you want him to kind of build into it, and which is what he did at Washington. He built into becoming – a starting defensive tackle within about 24 to 36 months you know it took him in that gradual period so I think if Detroit is expecting him to jump in right away that I think you would want to get him playing time but not not have him the expectation to be to have him start or anything like that um because I think those are the two things that could really ruin him and I think where another area that he can improve is he's very good kind of at the point of attack but I think that part of the reason he didn't have as much production was because of, you know, he's got that agility, but I think he maybe can use a little more power. And I'm not sure if that's because he's undersized or if that's just for whatever the case may be. But I think that's one area where he can certainly get better is having just a little more power to either get to the quarterback more or be able to disrupt the run more.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, last question here before we, we head to our first break here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about his decision to opt out. We, we talked a little bit about it um, last week with, with Panay Sewell and, and we know the PAC 12 kind of left, left players hanging by, by canceling the season then coming back and, and doing that. Um, I'm just curious if you could provide insight into, into Levi's decision. Um, I, th- I think we learned last week that Sewell actually tried to get back in, but couldn't. Um, mm-hmm. did, did Levi go through something similar like that?
1: So yeah, both, both try and Levi wanted to come back when it, but then, I think both kind of ultimately knew that there was no point when there was only going to be four. And they didn't know there was going to be four games when they were trying to come back. But I think it was – regardless, I almost thought Levi could have gone after 2019, but he certainly would have kind of maybe played himself into a guaranteed day two guy or maybe even a day one guy. Um, But I think it was kind of just time. You know, I don't – it wasn't viewed as like a, whoa, wow, he's quitting on the team or anything like that. I think it was kind of like, well, he was going to go – Anyway, and the Pac-12 can't get its act together. So, and he's already graduated, so it's not like that's a degree. He's already got the degree. It was, yeah. he, he was coming back to do, do the eligibility side, not to, um, not because of any other academic reason. Um, so I think that once he, you know, knowing that he had his degree, I think he's like, okay, I'm not. I'll just focus on my body. And actually, it's a benefit to what people when they were saying that they were going to opt out. It's like, oh, is maybe teams are going to think it's quitting on him? It's like, no, no. You're taking care of your body by doing that. Yeah. What's what's the point of blowing out your knee against Arizona in week two in a, a four game season? There's no point in that. So I think it actually was a smart decision and it paid off.
2: All right. Appreciate the insight there, Lars. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Levi Onzerike. We're going to talk specifically about what his fit is in with the Detroit Lions, what expectations we can see for, for 2021 and beyond. So stick with us here on first bite, a private Detroit midweek POD guest. And we are back when first bite our midweek podcast. We're talking about Levi Onzarike with Lars Hansen from rivals.com, the Washington affiliate known as the dog report. Uh, let's talk. I want to get right into a comment you made in the first half, which is um, you, you, you kind of project Washington's uh, defensive front defensive scheme to be much like that of, of what uh, they're going to be doing here in Detroit. So that must mean you, you kind of see a, a pretty easy transition for, for Levi uh, at the mm-hmm. next level. What do you think his role will be in Detroit right away?
1: Yeah, I mean, just kind of when I was doing some research before this, knowing who they got in the third round, um, the McNeil guy out of NC State, I almost just kind of see it as well. You could easily just plug Levi on the left, D tackler, D, whatever you guys want to call it, yeah. McNeil in the middle, and then I don't care who you put on the right. And it just seems like an easy solution, um, and I guess you know we. I don't know if we made the point that I said about he shouldn't start, and it's not that he doesn't have the ability to start. I think more or less just like from an from an expectation point, he certainly maybe two three weeks into it is your is your starter. But I'm more or less saying like the pressure on him more or less like he'll develop yeah. into it regardless whether I think he will or will. Like I think he's just that guy to develop into it. Um, and certainly, looking at who they have on the roster, they're all pretty similar. Um, you know, Deshawn Cornell, as you nine, they're basically the exact same size. So the way that I'm looking at it is Levi is basically in a competition with some of these guys, and he could he's easily going to play himself into whichever position they put him at.
2: Yeah, I, I think there's no question that they drafted him to eventually be a starter. But I think you're right. Like, I think I think they they might want to take their time with that because they're yeah. they're probably going to have at least some sort of limited off season yet again with with COVID stuff and and putting a rookie in there right away is 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 dangerous.
1: Who hasn't played since 2019? Uh, right, in, right in yeah. ball, Unless you unless you count the Senior Bowl, which, yeah. which you know, so yeah. half credit, <laughs> exact quarter credit,
0: um. You know, expanding on his fit with Detroit, specifically, I don't know how uh, familiar you are with Dan Campbell and his uh, affinity for kneecaps and and, and the such. But um, I think what was really clear about Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes' approach to the draft is they really wanted to get football players. And I know that might kind of sound like a cliche, but uh, do you see Levi fitting into Detroit in that role as a guy who, like, just loves to play football? Do you Absolutely. Did you get that sense from him? Yeah
1: without question. Levi is, Levi is couldn't be a more perfect fit for Detroit. Like just a tough like you know, he's a guy who's got a personality, but it's not really it's not really big. He he's trying to I think almost let his personality show and that's what he did in the press conference. I think I mm-hmm. think that that's how he shows his he, he's not he's not going to be the guy blinging it up. He's not going to be the guy being a distraction. He's going to be the guy saying, "Look, can you please keep it together? We're trying to you know, just come on, man. Like, you know, the, the very stern, the old young guy in the room, you know, the old, the guy that's the old young guy. There. I like that, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And because uh, I mean, you know, it comes from Allen, Texas, a very working class, you know, a very strong area. And he brought that to Washington. He was one of the first three guys from Texas that Washington brought out, and they were in the same class. And he was really, I mean, Aaron Fuller was the only other one who made an impact, and he wasn't drafted. So he okay. was the guy out of Texas who was a three star which Washington I'm sure will take pride in that, Um, <laughs> that they developed into a second round pick and really all the credit should go to Levi just for being the hard worker that he is.
0: And that really, you know, to that point, like, I mean, he was a decorated high school, uh you know, college or a decorated high school football player from you know playing with Kyler Murray winning state championships and the such so I mean he's a guy who probably could have come to Washington maybe rested on his laurels a little bit but like I think it really speaks volumes to him uh, uh, as a football player and as a person for the fact that he you know went from a three-star recruit into a guy who had first round buzz so yeah Mm -hmm. I think that's a great feather in his cap for sure
1: oh absolutely yeah and i mean yeah. I, i'm just so glad that he was allowed there he is allowed now to show that personality side because i've always been kind of mm-hmm. curious what it was and especially as a recruit they never want to say anything so when i was <laughs> talking to him he was he was, like, that was a great kid to talk to but i'm like all right and then to finally see that press conference i'm like of course all right how about being a real adult now like enjoy. yeah no-
2: And and now you know how we felt uh, in the past three years under Matt Patricia, where no one ever said anything. (laughs) So
1: For real, honestly. I mean kind of almost no way like Rick Peterson, but you know know, Did did you get a Although although when he talks, you do want to listen every now and then.
2: Sure. Did did you get a sense of of his leadership style? Like, I, I know I don't think he was ever named captain at Washington. You could correct me if I'm wrong, but um, no, was, is he kind of more the, the quiet leader type? Or I mean, obviously, that might change since he, he's now a little bit more outspoken. But is, is that kind of how you viewed his personality there?
1: Yeah, kind of, but I think also something to consider at Washington, not that Levi wasn't like the dog, or like, he's not that he's an alpha, but he was really among dudes that were like, look, you know, you're kind of like, almost like the Seahawks and Legion of Boom is like, we're going to be the guys up here. I don't care if you think you're hanging with us, you're going to be right, like, just a step below us. You know, you're, you're not going to be the captain, you're going to be like the captain's first mate or whatever, you know, like, but still just as influential, still just as people respect you, he he commands respect by giving respect and showing it through his actions in his game. He doesn't, he's not a guy who's going to expect to walk in and, you know, be the guy, but certainly I think from a talent perspective, you can't deny he's going to be one of the guys regardless.
2: Fair enough. I I just Uh, got one. I I got one more and then, then you want to take one after that, Ryan? Sure. Yeah. My, my last one. And I like to ask this one. I'm going to ask everyone that that we talked to this question is if there's one play. That, that Levi Onzerike had during his time at Washington that, that like perfectly explains who he is as a player or some like a play, maybe that you'll never forget that he made. Um, what was it?
1: I'm trying to remember who the opponent was, but what comes to mind is, is he had a punt block. Is um, mm-hmm. there a punt or a field? I, but I'm pretty sure it was a punt block. Yeah, And it, it was just kind of one of those, you know, I'm not just a guy who can kind of rush. Like I'm. I'm. It takes another level to be an athlete, to be an interior lineman rushing and making that block. You know, it's different to be a gunner or some you know small, scrawny dude coming in, putting dive and doing the hands like this, getting the fingertip on the ball. When you're literally taking out the entire line and block and blocking a punt like that, that to me says something. And uh, I can't remember. It was 2018, I believe it. It wasn't. I don't know I don't think it was Arizona, but it was one of those. Uh, it was a conference opponent game, and it was yeah. It was just kind of one of those moments where like, yeah, you can tell this is going to be a guy, but yet no one can really pronounce his name. And you guys, by the way, great <laughs> guys, you guys nailing it. Thank um, you. <laughs> but, yeah, because that's always one of the funnier ones. It's like how yeah. do you every when he arrived at Utah and be like, how do you say? I'm like Anzurike. Like, oh yeah, it's like oh yeah, it's yeah. just just it, it. really is not as hard as it looks. It looks right. terrifying. You just want to call him Levi, but it's like. No, I I think it's actually kind of fitting for him because, like, he commands the respect. You got to learn my last name, man, because I'm going to be a name you're going to be saying. So (laughs) you better learn it. Yeah. Yeah
0: well uh lars I'm, I'm sure jeremy really appreciates that um he's a big fan of blocked punts um <laughs> you know being a university of michigan fan um, oh, okay he, he loves a good blocked punt that wasn't even um, blocked, he just dropped it all right
2: same difference
1: real quick before your question levi actually <laughs> took an official visit to um that's right for, yeah the week before he took his visit to washington yeah washington in the end so not the poor wouldn't not i mean well, whatever yeah best well actually I,
0: I think that leads me into a good question like did you ever get a sense of why levi chose washington um versus any of the other offers he had from other schools
1: um well a lot of what I, I don't know if he said this per se at the time but again a lot of people say chris peterson you know just kind of that really the guy you can kind of trust and mold me to be the right guy and i think honestly it was Part of it was he knew that he could make a name for himself at Washington, and whether you want to say he came out as a household name, it's like people still knew his name when he came out. So I think he accomplished his goal, and he did it without having to have all of the attention. Because you know Washington, being in the pac Twelve, being a little bit out, they don't have the the Michigan attention that Jim Harbaugh gets, or the Ohio, you know, the the the, the other schools they get a lot more light. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, but it's allowed him to get his work done and do what he needed to do. Um, and so I think that's ultimately why he chose Washington. was It was kind of like a home away from home without too much of a light and not being totally in darkness.
0: All right, that, that, that's interesting. Um, so last question, real last question this time. Um, <laughs> give Lions fans uh, the one thing that they should be super excited about with Levi Enzorique.
1: He's going to be very durable. He's a very durable guy. So he's a guy that's not a, a question mark in that sense. So he's not like, wow, great. We wasted a pick on this guy. He's not he's not gonna be like that. Guy. I, I already know if, I can tell you again, not you can say knock on what, but he just he's not a guy who's gonna be missing, missing games or anything like that. Um and I think as a guy you can just it, it it's such a great value, like it just to me, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm talking him up too much, but He's just a guy where I can see 10, 10 year career, 10, 12 year career, just a staple. And that might be even underselling it, but just you know, a staple player who you can always count on. He might not be the guy that is Aaron Donald, but he's certainly not going to be a guy you don't know about. Like everyone's like, oh yeah, you know he is. He, he actually is really good. He's like probably top three, top five. It's like he's not maybe not one, maybe he's not two, but he's right there. And I think you know, as long as he's allowed to be himself and kind of grow into it, because like, again, I think. You'll probably see him starting by mid-year, you know. Given now, as you guys pointed out, they're looking at the roster. But to his credit, I don't want to say, "Oh, hey, expect him to come in and start," and then he doesn't start for the first three games. It's like, well, don't shoot the messenger here. But like, (laughs) um, well, but he's—it's kind of just—it's a a very solid, safe, good dude. It's a guy you don't have to worry about, and a guy you can depend on, and a guy you know is going to do something for you to hopefully win games.
2: That's Lars Hansen. You can follow him at Lars Hansen on Twitter or read his stuff over at the Dog Report. Again, that's the Washington Huskies uh, affiliate for rivals.com. Lars, appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight. Um, we might catch up with you again after uh, Lars becomes a Pro Bowler in year one. That's what you promised, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, you know what? We're <laughs> definitely going to get some recognition on some team, maybe second team or first team or rookie or you know, top sure. five defensive rookie of the year. Um, I'll take it we'll see we'll see he might be playing <laughs> for the defense rookie of the year spot though hmm
2: i i, I mean it's been a while i think we're, we're talking in dominican sioux territory at that point
1: see, yeah that was the one name i was trying not to not say <laughs> i was like i don't want to put that on him just because that's probably hard to live up to but you know 1a1b don't 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 be surprised
0: we we don't hate Kool-Aid over here Lars. We don't mind a we don't mind a good cup of Kool-Aid. We, we also may
2: subsist on it especially this time of year, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> again, appreciate the time, uh, appreciate you all for listening. Uh we'll be back for the main POD cast uh either probably Monday night to talk about the NFL schedule, all that sort of fun stuff. But until next time, it's chaos. Be kind everybody.